Hello, uh, welcome to Uncommunity, uh, where we speak with uh, community professionals around the globe uh, and brings you, bring you something very interesting, which you can take from this. Today we have Tara Hunt, who is who have been in the space uh, building digital communities since long, long time, uh, hmm. more than two decades. And yeah, welcome to the hmm. show, Tara. Thank you for having me, Mohammed. Uh, yeah, th and thanks for reminding me of how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, okay, let's let's just, like, before, like, uh, let's just get started, right? So, uh, it'd be very interesting to hear, uh, like, your background, what have you been doing uh, from the very early days, and what are you up to today, and what are you doing as, as your role there? I will try to compress it into as quick of a of an overview as possible. But yeah, I started, um, you know, just personally participating in online communities very early on, actually, in the 1990s. <laughs> in fact, um, I had a dial up modem and uh, I was participating in Usenet groups and IRC. And early on, I was able to see like, wow, this, this is cool. I'm connecting with people all over the world. And we're talking about like really relevant things to my career. And, um, you know, even like I would ask people's opinions on buying some software or like helping me make a decision. So like, I was like, wow, we're, we're exchanging all this information and this is really powerful. And I was, you know, I ended up going to school, um, you know, more for a uh, cultural studies type stuff but I knew that I wanted to go into marketing and the entire time I was like you know nobody's talking about in my classes the fact that the internet is a place where people are gathering and talking about things uh, and then I came across this book called um, the clue train manifesto in the late 90s it was actually a website that turned into a book and um, the there was like 99 theses or whatever. And the first one was markets or conversations, which just spoke exactly to what I was feeling. It was like, oh, there are people already, like marketing in general, like word of mouth has always been a strong part of marketing, right? You want people to talk about their experience with your product or service to other people like them. And there was this internet thing. So it's no longer just in my, like, look, my near area of friends. Now I'm getting advice from people all over the world. And that's what they spoke to. They were like, people will talk and drive, you know, traffic to your brand. So you have to respect that. And instead of trying to interrupt those conversations or, um command those conversations like you need to feel you need to figure out how to be part of those conversations in a really positive value-added way and i really love the core message uh of clue train i started um, um when i found out about blogs and stuff in the late 90s early 2000s um i started following the Clue Trade Manifesto writers, uh, Doc Searles, I think David Weinberger, they had blogs, Christopher Locke. Um, and I started a blog of my own where I started talking about how we could apply these ideas to online communities. And um, I, you know, was starting to talk about this thing like call community marketing. And I actually, because of that, I got, um, 
drafted by a startup down in San Francisco. So at the time I was still up in Canada, um, in Toronto, and uh, this San Francisco startup basically uh, hired me. I went down to San Francisco to do this so, thing so called you community. Flew from, you flew directly. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I, it was more obviously more complicated, but you know, San Francisco in startup world is kind of like, go, go, go. So I quit my job and went down to San Francisco to join this startup. And they wanted me to implement the marketing I was talking about in my blog. Now, it wasn't that I had no experience in marketing. I had lots of experience in marketing by that time. I had been working uh, at agencies and for an HR organization and even doing freelancing stuff on my own, but I had never actually worked with a client who was like open to this idea of not buying online ads or, you know, the SEO or whatever. It's all about building community. All of a sudden here I was, you know, in a perfect position to put the theory into practice and uh, put the theory into practice um, completely confidently and, the amazing part of this story, which, you know, very, I guess it's part of it is because I had spent so much time researching and like thinking through the scenarios and seeing smaller case studies of how this works. So it wasn't that it was just pulled out of thin air. Um, I was watching, I'm a digital, like cultural, cultural anthropologist by training in my studies, right? So I knew how to observe behavior and put it into a, like a theory of how it would work in practice. So I, I applied it and it was huge. Um, this little startup that I went to work with, we like 10 of us were like stuffed into a little office, maybe 500 square feet in Redwood City. I was the only woman there, the only non-engineer in the room as well. So it was like all these sweaty engineers and me. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, I was doing this, community marketing thing and my, I think my boss was getting a little nervous at one point because he's like all you do is talk with people online like when are you going to do marketing for us I was like that's what I am doing <laughs> <laughs> and so um when we launched which was uh, where the proof came in the pudding right like came through we had 80,000 people sign up within 24 hours to this it was like a photography start startup where you would upload all your photos and it would you would train it like through AI and it would automatically tag your photos for you so if you were if I was like oh these are all of Muhammad you know it would find all the other photos of you and tag it and and the crazy thing it was it was that it didn't work that well like it there was a lot of false positives and a lot of funny uh. scenarios but but through the whole community outreach thing and spending a lot of time talking with people online and spending time building relationships with photographers and like digital, like people that were like live their digital lives on online and all this stuff. Uh, people that were enthusiastic about Flickr and SmugMug and all these other photo services that were out there. Well, you know, that led to a lot of interest. And so when we launched, we had this like we had created a one of those landing pages that is like put in your email address so when we launch 
will notify you. And there were. And, and this was back in. I mean, this was this is before uh, Instagram days, right? Oh yeah, it was twenty two thousand and six. Oh okay, that is like next level. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean the amount of effort that you have put, like because right now to do something similar, it's like you just have to go check their Instagram. But back then there was no Instagram, right? So it's I'm sure it's it no. There was not even an iPhone. There was not even like <laughs> the the most like advanced phone was like the BlackBerry with like the little keyboard. Oh no, I think the Palm Trio existed at that point too. I'm really making myself sound old, I, and I am a bit old. But it was interesting because like it it worked so well, and we had blogs. We didn't Facebook didn't even exist yet. Yeah, there was yeah. MySpace existed, but I didn't really use MySpace because it was more for music and art. It wasn't really for, for what I you know what we were doing. You know, people were on, uh, and Twitter didn't exist yet. Like Twitter existed after we launched. Twitter came out, so yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. Like all these people from blogs. Um, I had I don't know if you ever heard of the Technorati. One, the Technorati 100. Oh man, those were the days. Anyways, you could, it was like a ranking of the top blogs. And I, at one point, I was in the Technorati 100 for marketing. But anyway, the, um, all of that being said, here I was putting like theory into practice. And it worked so well that even I surprised myself. And I remember being invited on this podcast back then. And I was like, okay, sure. And I couldn't, I sounded like a complete idiot because I had no idea why it was like, they were, he was asking me all these questions and I'm, and I blew it for all of them. I was like, oh, well, I just hung out with people, went to parties, <laughs> like took pictures. I did, I had no idea why it worked. I mean, years later, I can look back and I can see how building community does require hanging out with people, having conversations, attending events online and off and making those, you know, friends and relationships and supporting one another. And all of that builds to, you know, help helping spread that word of mouth. But at the time I had no idea, like, what was the mad secret sauce and he kept trying to get it out of me for the podcast and I was unable to divulge. <laughs> so uh, so uh, I mean I'm sure like uh, when you do started doing this it, it was not like very like uh, straightforward but now I mean after all these years you know okay these are the things that work uh, really well. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's, I still don't think it's straightforward. Community is, there's no formula really mm -hmm. to community. There are best practices, I guess, or, or at least like things that we've learned over the years um, that we can apply this understanding of human behavior um, and human needs to a community model and understand that, you know, people want a sense of belonging. They want to help build something and they want to feel like they have power and autonomy in that building of that thing. So um, it's a lot of, lot of the times why branded communities fall flat is because branded communities are like, 
here is here is a thing come and celebrate it and the and and people will come along and be and they well first of all they may not come along at all but even if they're fans of the brand the brand is gonna is trying to so tightly control the experience that they feel like they have like why am i here exactly if if you're the only one that's participating and and active like you just want me to shill for you like that's not a community um i'm here because i want to give you feedback to help improve something or i want to meet other people who are enthusiastic and maybe we can build and hack together you know and learn together um but you know a lot of branded communities won't open themselves up to that and then they fall flat of course so yeah i mean uh, so uh, there's a difference between like uh, when someone is building a branded community and then you have this individual personality like an influencer building a community right so and it's about like one to one discussion plus uh, like many to many discussions uh, and like uh, it's it's very difficult to build a community like uh, like even even a branded community or any kind of communities right like you said there are no there are no rule rule book there are just best practices best practices and there are things that you can avoid uh, which is very interesting so uh, like uh, i mean like uh, to just uh, talk about your point right like uh, we, like you are talking about branded communities so like what do you think should brands do or avoid i mean I, i'm sure there are practices but what do what should they avoid and if if they want to build a community that are that is like thriving that is there are engaged members there are people talking uh, and they're just not there to sell their product uh, on their face well i mean one of the things that i always thought worked the best with branded communities is to start not by building like a destination for people but by going out and seeing how your fans or members or customers are already gathering and interacting um or you can kind of create moments of that as well so i think a really great example for me um you know over the years has been hubspot for instance right so hubspot was like this uh saas you know uh business uh, development tool right it was like oh a crm and all these different tools that you can use for like in mostly a services based based business um you know for following up on leads and stuff and doing it a little bit more socially they also had a bunch of analytics tools in their package and stuff so you could track things you know like that doesn't sound like a very good basis for a community right like it's like yeah. So but what they did like this they built a bunch of content for in and around their products in and around their tools for their audience because what would happen is somebody you know their salesperson would talk with customers and find out that yeah yeah I don't you know I feel like I need to HubSpot's not working really well for me because I this area of my business is struggling and so it doesn't so they'd be like Well, let me help you with that area of your business with content, right? And so they had people that started to just show up um on the with the content. And then they were like, "Oh, there's a lot of people that have the same issues. Hmm, maybe we should uh, you know, 
have a conference. And so like the HubSpot conference became, you know, started smaller and, you know, so their customers would come and they would have speakers that would um, help teach their customers how to do better stuff to learn new skills in and around HubSpot products. Um, and then their customers would start talking with each other and sharing ideas, you know, like it just kept growing from there. And then after a while, you know, it, it made sense for, for people to gather in like local meetups or online to share, to ask questions and share ideas. And they're all sharing this around HubSpot. I mean, we, you and I met on a very similar uh, type of, of platform, right? Like we, we, we met on a community chat yeah. on Slack, which is not branded. It's sort of branded, but not really, but it's run by Consor, yeah. who is like a community platform. Now they don't push Consor there. They are creating this really great platform for their like community people to chat on. And then because of that, like a lot of people basically who never even bought HubSpot would join this marketing community, right? This, and they would be like, this is great. And then they'd be like, Hey, wait a minute. Thanks HubSpot. Wait a minute. I just check out your product. And then it would increase their sales. So I think Comstar is doing probably the same thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, it's the, a lot more orga organic way of reaching your audience is like, let's figure out how to fill those gaps yeah. between our product and what they need so that our product becomes like a no brainer for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the other day, like Rosie Sherry was, uh, also tweeting, like come for the content, stay for the community. That's a solid example of what HubSpot has been doing, right? Like they have been pushing content yeah. out there and like, uh, like some, someone, some, somewhere in the world, like it's just online sitting out there, the content and like, when you add something, some, some, uh, I mean, SEO or S like something else, like it, like the moment you, you like type something on Google search, you, you just fall right into the upspot content. Right. And then, mm -hmm. okay. After reading, after reading the use cases, case studies, people realize, okay, okay. This is a tool that I can actually use to kind of like accelerate my sales process or a marketing process, something like that. Absolutely. And you know, the greatest brand communities that exist are those brand communities that celebrate the excellence in your, that, of people who use their tools. So um, yeah, Adobe, Adobe does a wonderful job of celebrating the, the designers and um, artists that are using their tools. They don't say, this was done on a, you know, Photoshop with da da da. No, no, they just celebrate the designer. And of course, somebody's going to be like, oh my God, I love that design. And then understand that it was built in Photoshop, you know, and that then that is shown to be such, look what we can do with that powerful tool. They don't even have to say it. It's implied. Um, Lego community, if we're talking about non-tech communities, you know, that's another community that's been strong over the years because there were people that are enthusiastic about building with these little bricks um, well into adulthood. And all Lego had to do was like give, celebrate them, right? Just showcase the really cool stuff that people were building with these little bricks. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have to say, look at how great our bricks are. 
you know, they all they it was like, look at these cool people over there, and it's implied, right? So, I mean, I think probably the best branded communities out there are are communities where you can showcase the talent of the people who use your product or tools or services, um, and then it's implied, you know, that if you you're part of the biggest rock stars in this community or if you want to become, you're going to have to buy the jewel, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, who would have thought, like, Lego has a community? Like, why? Like, there was no reason. I guess it's because people just come together to kind of uh, work on something, like, and then they showcase and that's when, like, Lego or a brand realizes, okay, there is something there, we can actually give them a platform, right? Yeah. Uh, like, it doesn't well, happen overnight. My favorite community quote ever is people will support that which they helped to build. So if you can give your customers, your audience, your followers, your fans, the ability to control the growth of your company or your your brand or whatever it is, um, you're, it's going to be way more successful than if you just say, here's a thing, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I like, yeah. I, I mean, if you're, if you're wanting to, the best place to, if you're asking yourself, does my brand need a community? Go online and look for people already forming a community around your brand or maybe around a similar brand um, and see what they're doing and, and how they're sharing and what they need and that and then you fill that need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You give them that platform. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, let's continue with the audience and the followers. Like today, I mean, when I like when I I spend my time on the internet, like a lot of time, my time. So uh, like people talk about building communities, people talk about building uh, audience, people talk about building followers. So for, for, for you, like, like what is necessary or is like, can you do all of all, like both the audience and communities at one point, like at the same time? Um, I mean, I, I can't see why you would necessarily separate the, the two. They all, I mean, it all organically works um together um you know so you can just build an audience though and not build a community um i don't think you can build a you know you you can build a community without having like a one-way audience too right it but if you do want to build both i think both feet like they feed each other so when you're building your audience and they get into and they're enthusiastic and they want to know more about you and they want to talk to other people that are enjoying, you know, say your, your writing or your music or your videos on YouTube or whatever, you create a space for people to come together and share that enthusiasm and, um, and learn together. Right. Uh, so that, and then, those people get more invested and they spread the word for you organically and grow your audience more. Yeah. Yeah. Pardon right. Me. And then, and then like on the opposite end too is, you know, as, as you build your, 
if you're building a community, like people are coming together, um, you know, say on uh, the ComSor side, right? Like they're, you know, all this community managers, they're also um, going to um, help you build your audience because your brand is going to be top of mind. So it's like, it, it all works together. Together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a, it's a, there is difficulty uh, for sure. Uh, like, if you if someone wants to build a community, uh, I mean, they have to provide the value first. Uh, they have to kind of attract people, find the right people for for your uh, like whatever you are doing, and then you can build a community around it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely not easy. Uh, you have yeah. to put in the work and kind of grow it like grow it from that yeah well in and i think the 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 dirty little secret of community building is that the the most important part is that you're not in it just to amass followers or community uh the people that grow an audience or they build a community attract other people because of their um passion and and their like desire to geek out so it's not a chore it doesn't seem like you're putting work in in fact it seems like you're just having fun if we think back to my boss back in 2006 who's like when are you going to start marketing <laughs> you know you're just you're just having a lot of fun with people well it's you know that's really i mean community building is the most fun job ever because yeah you get to do something you're passionate about, interact with other people who are equally passionate. You know, that's what it's all about. It's, it's, you know, as soon as it feels like it's a job or like a chore, you're in the wrong place. You're not going to build community. People will be able to see right through it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a fair point. Like community building has to be fun. Like it's, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's, I mean, it's like, it's not a job. It's a fun, like you, 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 you won't get to talk to uh, like thousands of people on, on any other kind of like job role that you have been doing. Like it's very no. difficult. Like it's, it's easier. If well, you it's, are a, let's say, yeah, let's say it's fun and it's a job because it's still a job. It just doesn't feel like work. Right. Yes. That's, yes. that's the difference. It is a job and it's a, and it takes very, very specific skills yeah, and it yeah. takes like a lot of hard work, but you don't feel it when you're, when you're good at, when you love what you're doing, you don't, it doesn't feel like work. It's still your job and you're still the best person for that job. And you should be paid for that job because you're really, really good at it. And not everybody's really, really good at it. Like yeah. community is a heart for, for you and I, it may seem like a really natural thing because we love geeking out about these things with people, but not everybody like feels comfortable in that position. They don't know what to do. That's not their, you know, their, their core thing. So yeah. it's a skill. Yeah. Yep. Skills that you have to learn yep. from, from all like, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Tara, uh, uh, like, uh, tell us something like you're like, you have been putting out content, like you started writing blogs when there were when there were no blogs uh, like basically like like very early on so uh, what has been your like uh, 
I mean, maybe not not too long, like maybe within like the the previous five years or 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 four years. Like, what has been your like best read blog or or an articles or or any kind of content that you have put? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, so. I switched my blog to more LinkedIn, and I also started to do videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there, you know, the best read, for instance, on LinkedIn has been. Uh, I think you know I was trying to look look up uh, just recently um, articles like and how popular they are and I think the best one is like something it was something that I wrote on you know your you know why does your content suck or something it was something like that like and it gave sort of all these reasons and then solutions to fixing your content Um, but um, probably my most successful post of all time and it's been within the last five years is uh my video um on youtube so i have a youtube channel which i haven't been keeping up lately uh for various reasons busy as well as you know the just in general like pandemic um but uh it's a it's a video i did on sort of explaining fair use and i don't know if you know um that that term or that idea but the reason that it came up was I was uh, running my channel for a while and I have this sort of like style of editing or I used to have this style of editing where I would intersperse like movie or TV clips sometimes to make a joke in my videos to keep them kind of funny and light. Um, and people kept asking me, do you like, do you have to pay for those? Or um, can you still monetize your channel if you use those? And I'm like, yeah, I don't pay for them and I still monetize my channel. It's, you know, fair use. And people will be like, oh, like, so could I do this? They were asking a lot of questions. And I would usually point them, there was tons of videos on fair use on YouTube. And this is a good lesson in content, I think. And I would just point them to these other videos. And that's fine. But like, I realized that at one point I was like, I know there's a lot of videos on fair use on YouTube already. But why don't, because people keep asking me, why don't I make one? I mean, that's what I do, right? That video, that fair use video continues to grow to this day. And it's up to like almost 230,000 views um, organically. It just keeps growing. I keep getting um, like, it was, I did it in 2016 or 2017. um, And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it still grows and people still are like, this is the best explanation of fair use. And I go down like the various different um, sort of uh, points of fair use, like how you can score, whether you can use a clip or not use a clip mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and, I, you know, I even end it, like I say, I'm not a lawyer. So please don't like um, take this verbatim, like a, whatever I have in this video you know, may or may not apply and then i i sign off the video you know my name is tara and until i get sued you know yeah. this has been um, we'll, and, we'll share the link <laughs> yeah <laughs> and people still love that video and it's funny because as a lesson in content like i said there were already a ton of videos on fair use out there and a lot of people say that they're like oh you know i know about this area but there's already a ton of 
blog posts or, mm-hmm. you know, podcasts or articles or videos already on the subject, why would I make another one to add to it? Well, if you have um, even the small amount of audience, you're going to, I mean, your audience wants you to deliver that message, right? They want you to tell them how things are because they're following you. They don't want you to send them away. And also like, maybe you have a different experience that's going to just resonate and connect with people in a different way. So I think that's why that video performed really well. Um, And yeah, that's been like a very successful piece of content for me. I get a lot of subscribers still on my, on my channel. I mean, that's a very like great example. I believe like, uh, like if you, if you consider content, right? Like if I Google today, like something related to marketing, I'll get tons of articles from Google page one to Google page hundred based on that. Uh, and you still did it. You still put the content uh, regarding that when there were already existing videos, right? Like that, it, that yeah. shows that there are people who trust you with your, your resources and want to watch your, your content, want to read your content. And that's how like slow it grows slowly. Right. Like I'm sure yeah. like within, within uploading the video uh, on YouTube channel, it didn't like uh, got like sudden views, right. It, yeah. it, took it it own time. And I think, I think that, that works really well. Uh, content, I guess. And, and when you mentioned Hub, HubSpot, right. So I guess I, I, I've been like, I've, I've read one or two articles of that, of, of that like brand. Um, and I'm sure like they've, they've done, they had the similar experience, right. They mm-hmm. kind of got like within, within like a week, within two weeks, they got results. And then they keep like, they started doubling down on when they kind of uh, figured out it's still, the content is working. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you can adjust over time too. A lot of people will like HubSpot is really good at this. They'll create like, you know, um, a post that is of a time, like um, uh, a complete guide to all the sizes of cover photos and la la la, right? And then they'll update it right periodically so that it has the most recent dimensions for the images. And so, um, it, you know, it's even though they it's one post or one article, by updating it, it keeps just like refreshing and pushing it up in the Google results too. So if you can think of like those frequently asked questions by people in your audience that um, you're, you're getting all the time that uh, like you could be, it could be something that you would update. So if you're say like doing tax software or something, for instance, like every year people do their taxes but that sort of changes. So that's a perfect guide post to make, right? It's like just a post that you can just go in and just change the things that have been updated yeah. every year. You don't have to rewrite a whole new post. You, yeah. you, just, <laughs> yeah. you just update. That's a great idea. <laughs> I mean, if someone is listening to this, please go write tech software. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, like there's a whole bunch of, it's like, um, you know, first of all, like a fair use video is ever what we call evergreen content. It's content that is, you know, people will be looking for answers to it for a long time. Um, the only problem with the video is you can't really update it. If, you know, if, if fair use laws change, um, I would have to create a whole new video on a blog post. It's much easier, but like, uh, you know, uh, something that happens 
in what we call tent pole events. Every year it happens. So back to school, taxes, and you know, New Year's Eve, like all sorts of things that happen every year. Um, if in your industry, you provide some expertise around that, those posts can continue to give you that, what they say, like the long tail of growth. Um, um, and so you'll have the depth of years of people coming to your page and giving you, you know, um, bookmarking it and, and reading it and sharing it. So Google likes that. And then you have the ability to refresh it so it's new and Google likes that. It's, it's basically you're like doubling down on everything that Google likes. And so you're going to get to the top of the search. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I still go like, I still have like, I'm sure like more than 500 articles in my bookmarks. And I visit it often because I am sure like there are things that are updated, like related to marketing, content, community yeah. building. Like, yeah, and for sure. Yeah. Those are the classics, right? The, yeah. and, and what that's what you want to do is you want to, you want to write the classics and you don't need to write like a classic every day. You just need to write enough classics in your area yeah. and yeah. keep them updated. And, um, you know, and you'll, you can own that, that search term for sure. Uh, like just to kind of like if uh, I mean uh, classics right like uh, when we started discussing we talk about best practices right uh, like today if I google on best practices I'm sure like most of the time it goes to an article on uh, CMX hub right or, or or a fever bee right because and it's been there since like years and they like for for the next five years I'm sure they'll still get the traffic like anyone who searches right and that's a great way to like you kind of update it on a when things changes, but you don't have to update it often. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And that's how you stay at the top of those results. Yeah. So, uh, Tara, uh, tell us, like, uh, so uh, you have been like you just released something on Kickstarter, and mm -hmm. it's called "Who the Deck Are You?" And <laughs> it's a card game. And I, I personally love card games. Uh, like I've played a lot of card games, but this is something very different. And this is for a, a company or a brand or a startup, right? So t tell yeah. us something about this and what's the goal of this? Yeah. So uh, Who the Deck Are You is a brand personality toolkit. So it's less of a game, although it's uh, used for more fun, interactive, like collaboration. And uh, it's a toolkit that is used and is in card form to help you create a voice, uh, a tone and voice, uh, a personality for the way that your brand shows up, especially in uh, digital content. So whether it is, you know, how you word your tweets or how you uh, write the copy on your website, so for when people come along, they'll instantly recognize what kind of company you are. And some really good examples, I think, of strong brand personalities are, you know, um, you know one of them is Wendy's, right? People love the fast yeah. food brands out there because the fast food brands have a ton of personality. They have a sense of humor. They have um, 
you know, you could describe their characteristics, like they're sassy and like punny or whatever. Um, and then they also have, you know, they, they take specific tones for different times. And so the toolkit um, that we developed over many years, so my company, uh, Truly Inc., um, although we've released it under our branded community, Flywheel, uh, we've worked with dozens of clients um, on, they'll come to us and they'll be like, we need to grow our social media audience or we want to start a blog or something. And um, this is one of the first exercises we do with them is like, all right, so how do you want to sound? It's not just like, what are the topics you're writing on? Because this is what makes a company unique. Like if we go back to the HubSpot articles or whatever, um, or, um, you know, the, my fair use video is like that same subject can show up all over the place, yeah. but it's the way that it's delivered that makes it enjoyable to read that connects with the audience. And in, when it comes to social media, it's really important to connect with an audience. Um, that's what social, like that's the social part of social media, right? Yeah. So, um, so that's the first thing we do is say, okay, yeah, yeah, we know your brand values are integrity and this and that, but this is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a personality, a voice. So it makes it easier as well for our clients to say, hire um, a junior person or, or have like um, outsource their, their writing and stuff to a um, um, social media team when they can give them clear instructions, right? So, um, you know, if you wanna say like, uh, my brand is, you know, geeky and draw, has a dry sense of humor, um, you know, and, but you know, we don't use, we don't use puns or, or silly, um like toilet potty humor i think is on there is one of the humor um you know we don't we um we uh um ha it would have two sides of your character traits your personality we have what we call the safe traits which every brand is like easily like oh yeah i can totally be um uh creative right or whatever or that sort of thing but then we have the provocative traits. Actually, I have the box here. We have the provocative yeah. traits. And the provocative traits, which I'll pull at one, is contrarian, for instance. So maybe your brand, um, you know, uh, the whole, your is like a bit contrarian. Like, so when somebody says, this is the way that we always do it, your brand is gonna always say, uh, is it really the way that we're always going to do it? So the, we have a description on the back of the card. It says, you know, contrarian, it says the way it's always been done is just not going to cut it for you. And then we give an example. Think different was born out of this trait. So Apple, uh -huh. their branding has always been a little contrarian, right? It's like, no, we're not going to be like everybody else. Right. And then T-Mobile, when they did the uncarrier revolution, 
that was highly contrarian. So we, you know, that's, so those are like the provocative traits, you know, um, you know, you're cheap is another <laughs> provocative one. Like, um, it's about cutting costs, you know, uh, bargain hunter. Like we like to be, we like to save money. Like, uh, hell yeah. Um, and then on the safe, you know, you'll have things like empathetic. Nobody can disagree with empathetic, <laughs> able to get inside of, you know, other, each other's heads. So like you think about like a lot of different health brands, like the Mayo Clinic or Humana or whatever, they have to be more empathetic. Like, oh, I hear you, right? So those are, you know, when you put all of that together, you know, what you end up with, like is uh, you lay out what your, your safe and your provocative mm -hmm. traits are, your, um, your sense of humor, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of sense of humor are you gonna have? And then the last exercise is all about setting tones for different times, right? So people get tone wrong all the time. So you need to know how you're going to change your tone in a crisis. I mean, this has been very relevant for 2020, right? Yeah. <laughs> how do you change your tone? Like you can't continue to be your silly, sassy self no. if, like, if the world is burning, right? Yeah. So what's the tone you're going to take in that moment? Also, if a customer is mad at you, you can't be like, oh, I'm going to make a fun <laughs> you. you know, like you got to yeah. know how, and these, this like kit becomes a really great basis. You do this exercise with your team and everybody agrees on your 10, your 10 traits, positive, like uh, safe and provocative and your tones and your sense of humor. You are able to put it on paper, give examples of what that sounds like. And now it gets written into stone so that when somebody has come along, a new employee, for instance, and is like, you know, you're like, now you're in charge of the Twitter account. They don't just have to be like, okay, I'm going to like, just willy nilly start sounding like I want to yeah. sound. They have a really good guideline to keeping your brand voice consistent through that. So yeah, that's what that deck is all about. Yeah. Um, it's something we dreamed up because we kept doing these exercises with clients over the years. And then we were like, we should just make this into a deck. Yeah. Um, that would be fun. And that's what we did. <laughs> so uh, when you spoke, I will, uh, I'm sure like there are a lot of things that we can take away from this uh, brand deck, right? Uh, whatever there is you have been uh, building. I mean, it's because of your knowledge and learnings for years. It's like 2020, you thought about building this, right? Like, and when you talk about brands and social media, uh, I love, I love Slack. I think they're very empathetic, uh, empathetic. Uh, I mean, I've seen mm -hmm. their, like, uh, their tweets. They're awesome. Like, like, it's like, oh, I hear you. Uh, we are really sorry, but like they yeah. do it really well. And I love about that. Right. And then about like Wendy's or Burger King. I mean, uh, I mean, it's like, I, I'm sure like this, the sound of, or uh, the tone of the brand changed over time. Right. It was not mm -hmm. always like this. And, and, and I mean, for, for a new brand or something, I, I, I could be wrong for a brand who is just starting. I mean, they should also try various things. What works? I, I don't know. Right. Like it's not always like you have something which is decided and you have to go with that. You can just experiment with different, different tone with your brand. Yeah. But I think it's, a, it's uh, even 
<coughs> pardon me, even after you experiment, it's important to solidify because the difference between a, a human being talking and a brand talking is a human being, we have personalities that we're that we gain over our life, right? And we know what those personalities are. We know how it, when it feels authentic, when it doesn't feel authentic. With a brand, it's a collection of people, yeah. right? It's, it's a collection of interests. And, um, you know, having done social content for many years, there's gonna be that person in like the office over here who's like, yeah, that's too edgy. And the person over in the office over here is like, we need to punch it up and get like hipper. So what you, this helps you do is come together as a team and decide, you know, what, how far does that line go? And once you agree on it, then it's no, I mean, consistency is really important for any, for a person, but for a brand as well. And if you don't have consistency, you're just a robot, right? You're just like, I'm just putting out content. But as soon as you, you can pick, as soon as people pick up on personality on social, there's like an instant feeling of, um, I guess like camaraderie with a brand. Yeah, yeah. Like the brands that have personality are the brands that people are drawn to. The brands that are all over the map or don't have, or just try to be neutral, people don't care about them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to be like, you have to kind of think like a person and think like what your audience wants in, in reality, right? You can't just talk about like, you can't be neutral and like do like uh, post something on LinkedIn and post something, it's the similar thing on Twitter, right? You have two different set of audience and you yeah. have to be very different when you're doing. Yeah, and I mean, clarity when it comes to a brand that is, you're trying to establish, you're trying to grow your audience and you are also, um, you know, you're hiring different people to represent that voice. Like that clarity is so important at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, like, uh, I think this goes same to even communities, right? Private communities or any public communities, mm -hmm. your tone has to be very important. Like what what you as a community like a uh, community leader or a community professional uh, like so if someone is building a community like you need to make sure that like you have a tone when you're talking to people if there's something like like you have to show empathy when it when 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 things are things really like is wrong and you can be like happy fun when when you're doing something cool and people are talking about it right so it's, yeah it's, and even in this, in the moderation, like, uh, like you have to have that tone. Yeah, for sure. And well, you can think about different communities where brand voices or voices come into play in the personalities is like a, a yoga community, for instance. Yeah. I, I'm sure in your head, the first place, you, the first thing you thought was like, chill and meditative and, Calm. um, yeah, like all that. Right. And then you think of like a Harley Davidson community. Thrill. <laughs> the other side of things like <laughs> tough and brash and yeah. Yeah. Ah, rock and roll, right? Those are like, 
you, they pop into people's heads instantly what the expectations are there too. So, I mean, and there's also ways in which you can play with that too. You could be, uh, like I actually um, came across a while back, a uh, yoga community, speaking of which that um, it was, it's called like Sailor, Pot, Sailor Mouth Yoga or something. And basically it was all for like people who were like frustrated and they'd be doing yoga and they would like yell things. So they had a whole different personality. People yeah. would swear, like they'd be doing a downward dog and they would like be like, ah, you know, <laughs> like, so, so it's very, it was, and, and because of that, they were popular for a person who wouldn't necessarily be attracted to the namaste kind of com yeah. community because that person needs to get their frustration and yeah. anger out. Yeah. yeah, interesting. So uh, we're, like, uh, we're coming to the end of it and I have this very interesting question, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. Million members in a community today or 100 members every day for the next 365 days. Which one would you choose and why? Oh, the latter for sure. 100 every day for the next 365 days. I would even say maybe 10 a day for the next three years or whatever it is, <laughs> uh, or however that works out. Um, because like having too many people at once completely, um, like you can't personalize, you can't get to know the community members, you can't build trust. It's just too, that, that kind of growth. Um, like I, I was, I joined this one community called online gurus and it has like 30,000 marketing people in it. And it was, uh, it was so noisy and like completely full of spammers. Like, uh, I just, I turned it off. <laughs> Whereas I really love smaller, slow growth communities like um you know like the community chat where yeah. a couple of people come every day and they introduce themselves and you have time to go read their profiles yeah. and like get to know them you're not inundated you know so i don't know it's uh for me it's uh slow slow and steady growth takes me yeah i i've choose that like 10 10 a day for for the next three years because like it's the personal like like getting to know people is very important uh and kind of uh knowing uh knowing them uh instead of if you have like million numbers like like you don't know where things can go like it's just yeah. like it's just like uh full of like a city kind of thing wherein nobody knows what's happening yeah for sure. like, yeah and, and and i love like i think slow like I mean, that is one of the, like, could be one of the reasons where you should have a small and tight uh, niche community where there are, like, set of people. Uh, and it's okay if you grow one one person a day or or something like that, right? Like, you have yeah. this real, real connection between people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I even don't even want a million people in a community. I just think it's not even a community anymore. It's like it's Facebook and it's like full of <laughs> yeah. too much, yeah. too much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what's your favorite book and 
what, why? Okay. Um, my favorite book is got to be Counting for Nothing by Marilyn Waring. Um, it is a uh, economics book. Um, and Marilyn wrote that probably in the 1970s. So it's been around for a long time. And it was one of the first books to say why GDP or gross domestic product is a terrible way to measure the health of a community. I mean, since then, that conversation has shifted and grown and uh, morphed a lot. But when I read it uh, back in the 90s, mm-hmm. it, it completely changed the way I looked at economics. And it got me really interested in economics um, altogether. So, and then I got to meet Marilyn ah. a couple of times. <laughs> and because I was such a fan, um, the National Film Board of Canada, who did a, um, a documentary on her, her book, because it was so pivotal, ha- invited me to write a article on the anniversary of the book a few oh, years ago. that's back. nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I, okay, I think this is okay. Uh, have you watched the, uh, the latest Netflix film, The Social Dilemma? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the movie? Is it is it very wrong? Is it right? Or what can we learn okay. as a it's, human being? Yeah, it's totally right in so many ways. I mean, there were so many things that were missing from that film and a little bit like irritating about that film. So it was completely right in, <coughs> pardon me, in that um, social networks lost their way a long time ago and now have instead of like I think they all were well-intentioned when they started um, to connect people and you know to to do more of what we were talking about earlier build these communities and uh, of interest and um, help people get to know each other better and da 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 then it became about money and driving the almighty click which created you know this new incentive for the people that were building these communities or these uh, networks to addict us to um, the social media and that meant creating bad behavior not connecting us more by dividing us because that's the kind of stuff that creates uh, clicks and engagement Um, it's like um, this idea of high intensity emotions actually creates uh, more focus and sharing. Um, and that's what they optimize for rather than those, you know, happy things, which is not happiness is like, it's weird, but people when they're happy and like content, they don't engage as much weird. Right. Yeah. Um, so when they're angry and upset, they engage. So, yeah, that premise of the film was totally bang on. The problem is, is they really didn't examine, well, number one, they had the same people that built it, um, <laughs> you know, in the film. And, and it was like, you guys knew this all along. You were talking about adjusting people's behavior. Don't play innocent. Like, <laughs> oh, whoops, whoops, we broke society. We broke the world. Yeah. Whoops. Like, there's no accountability. That's that's a big problem. And then, of course, like, there is a very, very, there's a huge lack of diversity in the film. Everybody's, like, kind of uh, U.S. 
white well-to-do yeah. yeah. <laughs> in there. Yeah. Um, so like they did not examine, um, where was it um, just recently that there were like people murdering each other because of Facebook. Oh, where was that? The, um, why am I blanking? Anyways, we'll, I'll, I'll look, I'll, yep. I'll look at it. It was horrific. Um, but yeah, like it, there are countries around the world where the, the consequences of this click baiting has led to murderous rampages <laughs> between um, groups of people. And it is, it's going to happen in the U.S. By the way, it's. I mean, I just. I'm so scared of. I'm. I'm. I'm happy that I'm in Canada, but I have a lot of friends in the U.S. that I'm really afraid for, um, just because of the how heated things have become. Yeah. How heated, and people are willing to. You know, kids are taking guns and shooting um, protesters, and that's. I just feel like worse and worse things are going to happen and I'm not going to be going to the U S anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they, yeah. Bro they broke America. They broke the world, you know, like, so, so I think it's a lot bigger than what, um, what the movie even talks about. And I think a lot of us were like, duh, we kind of knew that we didn't need we didn't need a movie to say that. <laughs> and we that's on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. we need a we need a movie that that gets into more um, solutions from people who have watched what's happening for many years in horror. They weren't the ones that built it. Yeah. But they were in the ones on the outside who were whistleblowing and, and warning. And they did, really didn't show a lot of that. Yeah. There was a young, young, a young guy who committed suicide years ago. Um, one of the founders, I guess, of Air, of uh, Reddit, Aaron Schwartz. Yeah, yeah, Aaron Schwartz. Yeah, yeah. He was still, he was still his thirties or twenties. Like I've, I've yeah. known, like since I started my like uh, journey in community building, we ha through open source. Like everywhere we go, we used to talk about that personality. Yeah, for sure. So. You know, um, uh, oh, by the way, it was the Rohingya crisis that was um, basically fueled by Facebook. Yeah, so like these are, uh, it's, it seems too lighthearted of a treatment for, we're going to look back at this time and be like, whoa, why did we not pull the plug? <laughs> <laughs> You know, and it's unfortunate because I used to be what, uh, what we, you know, what was called a digital utopian, somebody who believed very strongly in the power of technology to level the playing field and, you know, I'll bring, like those raise all boats with the tide, right? Yeah. Um, but that was so naive of me to think that that was where we would continue to move towards when money came into play. Yeah, yeah. I hate to end the podcast on such a depressing note. <laughs> yeah. But yay, TikTok. It sounds yeah. like it's like a much <laughs> more uh, friendly platform. Yeah, yeah. I'm not on TikTok because somebody, because <laughs> my niece said, well, had me on TikTok with her. And one of her friends said, 
okay, boomer, <laughs> to me, and I was like, I'm out of here. I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> interesting, interesting. So, uh, where can you, where can we find you, Tara? Where are you online? Uh, your Twitter, Hi. and yeah. I am online still, despite <laughs> all, everything else. Um, yeah, you can usually uh, find me at, um, at Miss Rogue on pretty much every platform. So M-I-S-S-R-O-G-U-E. Um, my, I have two, a company, Truly Inc, T-R-U-L-Y-I-N-C, but also we, we have a marketing community that oh, we yeah. run called Flywheel, which is spelled P-H-L-Y-W-H-E-L. Uh, like Superfly, Flywheel, uh, <laughs> very 90s reference. Yeah, join um, the community, yeah. the yeah, marketing community. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, what's with, is it, uh, yeah, PH, right? Starts with PH. Yeah, Flywheel, yeah. Okay, all right. Okay. All right, that's it for today, folks. Uh, thank you for joining. Uh, stay safe uh, and have a great evening. Bye. Thank you.